Merritt. Say hello, Sarah. Hello, Sarah. And uh, this week, our special guest McLaren fan is Alan Sabatino. Uh, we can call you Al. Is that all right? Yeah, that's fine by me. Hello, everyone. Brilliant. So, um, right, I've, I've, got a, I've got a quick quiz question to start the day. Uh, how do you spell Portimio? Do you mean Portimel? Portimel. Um, well, it I suppose it. I suppose it depends, Andy, on whether you're human or whether you're Fraggle the McLaren doggo. Right. Excellent. Excellent. So, yes. Um, how would you spell it if you're a McLaren fan who's a dog? <laughs> P A W. Oh. <laughs> okay. Yes, definitely P A W at the start. Yes. Yes. So, yeah. Um, I've got to say, yeah, a decent weekend again for for us as McLaren fans um uh I, I guess if we go through sort of the weekend in order I'd say that we didn't look anywhere really in practice um but we've had that before this year already um I'm not so concerned I, I, I believe probably on Fridays we're testing bits and pieces out maybe not for this race maybe for the next race and things like that um so I'm never yep. quite bothered when we've got a, a 15th and an 18th or a 12th and a 8th or something like that on a Friday. You know, there's, there's places to go and, you know, plenty to sort of work on. I would be concerned if we were more 19th and 20th behind Haas, I guess. <laughs> on <a Friday. laughs> yeah, I, th I think you're right there, Andy. And I think we have to trust the team that we know that they've got work to do. They've got a plan. And, you know, with less testing this year, practice sessions mean that they're out there and they've got a plan to go through and things to tick off on the list. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I, I was just going to agree with Sarah. I, I, um, I think as well, with only a day and a half for each driver testing in pre-season, Daniel's still learning this car, isn't he? So to if 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 like you say he comes uh, home in 16th or 17th in first practice i'm not even even bothered by that daniel's still trying to get to grips with this car and and the more we can get him behind the wheel the more laps he can get the, the quicker he can adapt to the car and uh, get quicker and get further up the field yeah absolutely yep. totally agree with that I, th I think there's still i've seen it a little bit less but certainly the first race of the season i was seeing people expecting us to be p1 and p2 and leaving the mercs in our dust, and it's uh, very quite realistic. <laughs> here, we? So, you know, um, yeah, I, and and I think that's that's right. I think that's all we're we're looking for on uh, on, on on Fridays in, in practice. Um, one thing I would say is that when we seem to go through to Saturday for practice and quality, it's it's kind of a different matter. Um, we do start to see the real sort of pace of the car. I know that um, we qualified in Lando was P7 and Dan P16. I think a lot of that qualifying was affected by wind. It looked mm. crazy out there. It, it can affect us all, Andy, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So more than most. Um, and I think we probably just misjudged the sort of Q1 cutoff time for, for Danny Rick. It really did seem like that. I think Gasly just pipped in by hundreds, tens of hundreds of seconds. 
Yeah. Wind, but, wind and traffic. Wind and but, traffic. Definitely. Yeah, but Dan looked gutted, didn't he? I mean, did you see yeah. some of that footage, uh, Al? Yeah, I did. It, it really did affect him. But I think from what Zach was saying uh, to Sky on the Sunday, him and Andreas went in and basically said, we trust you, you're quick. We're, we're not worried about this. We know you can perform on the day. And and that's what's great about what they're doing with Dan at the minute with the team. They, they know that it's time to adapt, like I've said earlier. And I just think... Once he does find his feet, once he gets this rhythm with the car, I don't think P16 or 17 or wherever is going to be happening again. I think he'll get close to Lando and we can see both cars eventually getting into Q3 more regularly. Which I just think, like, like Sarah said, with the wind and the traffic and everything else, it was all contributing factors which ended up, unfortunately, losing Dan in Q1. But, yeah, it weren't, it weren't that disastrous. I could see it on his face. He was a bit frustrated and annoyed and any driver would be going out in Q1. But I think... Uh, we knew we had the pace on the on the race day to be able to perform, so it wasn't too bad in the end, really. Yeah. I don't know about both of you, but I'd be more worried if Dan didn't look upset going out in Q1. Yeah. His expectations have obviously been raised just like ours have of the team. You know, when we're doing better, he's going to expect to do better too. But what, what a great thing for his confidence that Zach and Andreas took him aside and said to him, look, we're not worried about this, we're backing you, you know. That's the kind of thing a driver wants to hear, isn't it? Yeah, yeah I, 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 I totally agree, agree with that. Yeah, I, th- I, um, I think that, you know, that's going to put you in, in a better mindset and a mind sort of frame for the race. And, and also think, you know, actually these guys are giving me the time to get this right and getting it yeah. done. You know, I, I don't think there's anything fundamentally wrong with the car for Dan. Um, I think it, it could have been Carlos or Seb, who is also was kind of struggling with with the cars that they've moved to. Uh, yeah. In the last couple of races, sort of came out and said, you know, it's like kind of um, jumping from a Ford Fiesta to a Ferrari. They're both cars, but they're slightly different, and you've got to get to learn to it. Oh, actually, it might have been Ted on his notebook saying it was about getting in a higher car in a different country. That's what it was. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, it you're was not, one, of, not... one of Ted's analogies. Andy, you're not nicking material from Ted Kravitz now, are you? I've got about three three points from Ted Kravitz on here, so yeah. I'm <laughs> to, uh, why would be next time to see him at race? Welcome to podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure he'd love to come on one day. I'm sure he would. I'm sure he would. <laughs> um, let's let's kind of move on to race there. So we sort of knew what we were kind of going to get from the race beforehand. I, I kind of feel that having had two absolutely fantastic races already to start the season, it was about time to have a bit of a snooze fest, really. Yeah, yeah. Um... To be honest, I have to admit to you guys that after the start and watching us get going and 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 the Checo Lando overtakes, maybe I might have gone to sleep for a few laps in the middle of the race. Let's put it like that. <laughs> I, I must be one of the few people who actually enjoyed the strategy side of the racing at the weekend and found it exciting on that side. I was quite, quite excited about that. It wasn't Loads of incidents, loads of overtakes, but I was like, oh, this strategy is going to play out at the front and also for us. Um, and that's, that was great to watch for me. Um, 
not the most exciting on the track sometimes, but I agree. What about you, Al? Yeah, I have to agree. It weren't the best, was it? The first opening laps were pretty pretty good. It was good to see Lando having a good battle with Ocon. It was good to see him actually retake that position off Ocon after losing it early on and then, then attacking Checo. That was exciting to watch. But apart from that, really, it, like I say, it wasn't really much action. Watching Daniel's name slowly creeping up the times as yeah, he was yeah. uh, on the alternate strategy, he knew he was probably going to come back out when he pit-stopped about 10th or 11th. And unfortunately, he couldn't really uh, uh, slow down that flying Fernando. But uh, in the end, he uh, he did a decent job, I think, Dan. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally agree with that. I think uh, one of the things about, you say, you, know, you mentioned the, the start from Lando, the last, last couple of races, he has gone back a few sort of places, but he went forward quite a few. Um, obviously, you said about the overtake on Ocon, um, and the overtake on Checo as well was was good. Um, now, I know that sort of Checo was complaining, and Helmut Marko was complaining, and Christian Horner was complaining, um, but if the overtake was off the track, the stewards would have done something about it and would have made him give the place back, and they didn't. So there you go. It must have been legal. Um, I've not seen any footage yet to confirm whether it was or it wasn't, but I would assume, given what we had between Lewis and Max in Bahrain, they're not just going to let somebody get away with it uh, off the track yeah, but to take that easy. To be to be fair, you, they moan after every race. They're either yeah. moaning about Mercedes, moaning about track limits. Um, I've seen some great stuff on track limits from um, from our friend Sam. Um, which I'll share after the podcast, where, again, uh, Max has said in an interview he didn't know about the track limits on Turn 14, and it was in the FIA's pre, uh, pre-race instructions. So, you know, they're always moaning about something. I'm just beginning to think that's just the way they are. That's their, the way they operate. They love a good whinge. Maybe they're just hoping that some of it sticks. But in this case, good for Lando that it didn't, Andy. What do you think, Al? Yeah, I agree. I, I I saw the on board with Lando and I didn't think it was it was marginal. I don't think like Andy said it was anything like Bahrain where going round the outside off the track. It was nothing like that at all. But um I just think you just come to expect this from Red Bull, don't you? They always have to moan about something over a weekend. I just think they sh- Mercedes had the upper hand on them all weekend, didn't they? And they were always going to moan Red Bull. I think if Red Bull were winning this race 30 seconds in the lead, I don't think you'd have heard a peep from them. I, I totally agree. <laughs> I think uh, I think they just like to... Let, let's try and get Red Bull in the press somehow so people buy some tweets. I, I might be cynical there, but that's what I think. It's about. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so we got um, Lando coming home in P6 and Dan in P9. Um, a double points finish. So, here's a question for you, and I hope none of you have looked at my Twitter today because you did find the answer. When was the last time that we had a double points finish in the first three races of the season? Oh, God. Oh, I haven't looked at your Twitter. <laughs> I don't know. Jensen Lewis, something like that. Give me a year. Go yeah, on. Yeah, I'd go. Give me a year. 2010. Twenty eleven, it is. Um, yeah, <laughs> for for pointing that out. It's a it's a really good fact. I mean, that's ten years since we've done that. Um, it seems a long, long time. That doesn't it? it? Is. 
Um, yeah. See, we can mention it again through the Honda years as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ten years, eh? But you wow. know, this is um, well, officially our strongest start of the season in ten years. So, despite the let's just call it the media sort of side of Dan's not doing well. Um, yeah. You know, to have our strongest start, we're doing pretty well. I think we're on. 53 points and third in the constructors. Uh, we've got 11 on Ferrari. And then we've got 40 points on Alpine in fifth. So, um, yeah, it's only three races in, but what a start. What a start. And, you know, um, I would say, you know, hats off, caps off to the boys and the girls uh, in the team, back at the factory and everything else like that. You know, after. Let's just say the Honda years, it's good to see us doing well, succeeding. And do you know what the best thing is? Seeing people in the garage and on the team wall and everything like that with smiles on their faces is brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Love that. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so, uh, well, at the minute, yeah, our fight is with Ferrari, I think. And Lando's third in the drivers ahead of Bottas. Could stay there all season. We're just driving. Let's hope so. Yeah. That must be really good for Lando's confidence, though, to look at that and think, there I am. I'm just behind Lewis, a multi-world champion. I'm behind Max Verstappen, who is, is drives like shit off a shovel. Oh, I said I wasn't going to swear, and I accidentally did. <laughs> um, and then and then he's third in the, in the Drivers' Championship. Must take that as a real positive, mustn't he? You know, that must give him fire in his belly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's right. What do you think of it, Al? Yeah, I, I 100% agree. We've seen Lando struggle with confidence, haven't we, before? And he struggled with confidence um, when he should have really got P3 at uh, Imola and he come back fighting. I think this, as you say, is going to boost his confidence, no end, being able to uh, score points like he has been so far and be right up there in the championship. To, to, to be ahead of one of the Mercedes is, I know Bottas, He's not on Lewis's level, but still be ahead of one of uh, the Mercedes yep. is a pretty decent feat after three races. And going into Spain, I'm sure the team will take big confidence from that and Lando will take big confidence from that. And if we can go into that race uh, s- similar to what we've just been doing, then uh, we're looking we're looking like we're going to be strong contenders for that third in the constructors. Yeah, very, very different driver from the guy that we met four or five years ago at the MTC. Do you remember... Yeah. Do you remember when we said to him, Lando, if you get that drive next year, do you think you're ready for it? And he, he giggled, didn't he? And he said, yeah. no, not really. I don't know, really. And he was quite nervous. Yeah. Very different now, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, what well, I don't know if you guys caught um, Ted's notebook. But, I haven't uh, saw the quality. He made a point. Um, he, he said something. Apparently, there's a guy called Hiroshi. Who yep. called the tire whisperer? Apparently, he's <laughs> our tire guy, and um, he was the one that sort of came up with that we should be on the medium tires and stuff like that. That we were, that we were very kind to the tires this weekend, and I think that really helped. It's good for us to be quite kind to tires, I think. Um, yeah, I think that will very much help us going on this season. Um, speaking of tires. God, I hate to mention it. I know people say that I bang on about it too much. 
Oh no! Talk it's about coming. Pit it's the pit stop moment. <laughs> yes. So yeah, Sarah, what did you think of the pit stops this weekend? Um, I'm, I'm keeping out of this. I'm just be the facilitator. I think. <laughs> I think. I think the problem is, is we've made a few jokes about this in the last few weeks. So I'm now obsessed with watching the pit stops just so that I can mock you on Twitter, Andy. Um, but. Yeah, first first pit stop for Lando, I think, was 3.3. And I thought, yeah, OK, that wasn't too fast, not too slow. You know, we're not trying to be Red Bull. We're not trying to break records. We just want to get it clean. But I did see Dan went long. And I've seen the video um, feedback um, about his pit stop on Twitter. And I think everybody in the team, when he came in, had to move on because he wasn't lined up with the wheel guns. And that obviously adds on. Now, I believe, he, was he 4.9, Andy? I think it was, yeah. That, that yeah. Right I mean, to you, Al? I think, yeah. that, I think that's the slowest of the day right. out of all of the teams. Yeah. Um, what, what about you, Al? What's, what's your take on our pit stops so far this year? I've had a little grumble about it. I think we've got away with some slow pit stops so far this season and we've not dropped ourselves in trouble coming back out. Lando just about come out, didn't he, ahead of Carlos, which he needed to do. And I think if we'd have... If we'd have done a 2.5 instead of 3.3, that would have been a bit more comfortable for Lando. And I think Lando said after a race, he had to push quite hard for the first four or five laps on those medium tyres to make sure Carlos didn't overtake him. So, yeah, I, I, I do get frustrated. I just hope these 3.3 second pit stops or any longer don't come and really hinder us and, and, and upset a chance of getting really good points in a race because that's going to hurt a lot and it'll hurt the team a lot. I, I, me personally, I'm not bothered about trying to beat Rebels 1.9. I, I'm happy if we got between like a 2.5 and 2.7, as long as it's safe and quick. I think anything over three seconds, you, you're pushing your luck a bit and you might get undercut by another team. So, yeah, that one with Dan wasn't great. He's admitted it was his fault, wasn't he? So hopefully the yeah. team can get up on this and uh, we can be a bit quicker next week. Let's hope so. I mean, I mean like you say, I think, I think the point well made there by yourself, Al, is that we know, we know we're not out for a 1.8 to beat Red Bull. We are for fast, clean pit stops yeah. and get the cars out in a timely manner. Um, and obviously the outlier was Dan's, but we know why. And he apologised. We know why. We yeah. know why. You know, they had to adjust. You, if you watch it back, you see they had to kind of shuffle a little bit. Um, yeah. And, you know, the, these things happen. That's racing. But yeah, like you said, there's going to be a point where we don't get it quite right and we come out the wrong side of a driver. And that'll be quite frustrating. Hopefully, hopefully Andreas is listening to us and he's got Obviously. On, on pit stop duty um, back in the factory. <laughs> um, you know, just. It's, it's, it's just one of those things you wonder about. One of the teams, uh, forget Red Bull, forget Mercedes for a minute. One of the teams that's best at their pit stops is Williams. This is a team that's that's nearer the back, and they're trying to do what they can to claw back the, the you know the odd second or half a second that could make a difference. And like you said, Al, what if we do a slow pit stop and we come out, and that means we're in a different race position? It costs us something. You know, I don't know how often they practice. I don't know how much stead the team put in their pit stops. I know the guys, I know the individuals that we talk to, the, the engineers and the mechanics we know from Twitter. I know they 
practice hard, but I just can't work out why we're just that little bit mm. slower than, than other people. And uh, I'd love someone to tell us, especially because yeah. Andy would stop going on about it every week then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, somebody who knows the technical di- um, side of it, please let us know what's going on. And um, yeah. yeah, then maybe I will show up about it. Uh, yeah, please, please, Andreas, drop us an email and let us know. Yeah. <laughs> right. Let's uh, let's sort of leave the pit stops for now. Uh, anything else you guys want to carry, um, sort of uh, talk about from the race weekend before we move on? I guess the only thing I'd like to mention is that I quite liked that track, and I quite liked us going to Portugal, Portugal, and 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 that being an addition to the calendar. But I did read. Max Verstappen said he was happy we were leaving there and that we wouldn't be going back there. Um, I'm not quite sure why. Because uh, is, it, is it because it's a technical track? It's too hard to drive? Most of the other drivers seem to like it. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I wonder whether our guys liked it. I wonder whether if we asked Lando, he'd say he liked it, you know. Did Max Verstappen say that after the race? Well, there you go. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, so one of the other sort of points I want to sort of talk about is um, uh, one of the announcements last week or, or in the last week or two um, is that we will have, um, I, I assume, both you guys uh, and girls are going to Silverstone, if you if we are allowed this year. Fingers crossed. Who knows? Um, and the introduction of sprint races. Yeah. I just wanted to kind of get your take on it. Um, I've seen lots of, yeah, this sounds like a great idea, and other people, nah, I don't really like it. So, um, yeah, you know, it'd be nice to have, from a McLaren perspective, what do we think of it? So what, what's your kind of thoughts on it, Al? I'm not keen, if I'm being honest. I think it works in F2 because they're all pretty much equal cars, aren't they? And and anybody can really win in a sprint race and then the feature race afterwards. In F1, you're not going to have equal cars. You, I think you're really not going to deter who's going to win, to be honest. I think you still end up going to have a Mercedes and Red Bull at the front in a sprint race. And my only other concern really is um, what happens with like the engine allocations and everything else and parts and everything else. If, if somebody has an accident or an engine blows on Saturday in a sprint race, What's going to happen then? That's that's it's a lot of money and a lot of expense then just for a sprint race, just to entertain us fans a lot more. I, personally, I'm not really that keen on it. If if things were more of an equal footing and say a George Russell and a Williams could fight for a, a podium or something, then great. But we're we're still going to end up Max Verstappen, Lewis at the front, maybe Bottas if he turns up one day. But uh, other than that, I just think it's. It's too much of a gimmick for me. I'm not too keen to this. I hope I'm proven wrong, but I'm not keen on the idea personally. You think um, the fact that we're trying it for three races is a good thing, though, to see if it works or yeah. not? Yeah, that's that's fine. Yeah, I'm happy with them try, trialing it. Fair enough, because at the end of the day, it could end up working. I could be proven wrong, and you could play this back and say, how wrong was Al? But... Um, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I'm happy for him to trial it because at the end of the day, we want to make this sport as good as possible. But I just, I'm not keen, to be honest. But hopefully we get to go there and see it for ourselves. And who knows, it could be good. But uh, I'm not sure, to be honest. Yeah, the, the only thing I would add, the only thing I would add is, 
we, we've often been quite vocal about the fact that when they were reducing the Friday practice sessions, we thought they were taking away something from our ticket price. And we were thinking of Silverstone, which is something where, you know, Andy, you've done it yourself to take your nephew along, haven't you? You, yeah. you um, A lot of people only go on a Friday. Perhaps people who can't afford to do it or a whole race weekend go on a Friday. So the thing I would add is have a look when you get the opportunity to see what the the Friday timetable is for Silverstone, because it's been published already. And that now means that someone that's going on the Friday gets to see a quality session. Now, that looks quite good. Um, so maybe when I first heard sprint races have been announced, I was like, oh, why are you trying to fix something that isn't broken? We don't need this. But now I'm looking at that timetable and I'm thinking, if I go on Friday, that's actually going to be quite an interesting day of race action for us at the track. So that's that's my reservation. Yeah, all I'm, all I'm hoping is that it kind of worked in some way and it's not like the qualifying was a few years ago in Australia <laughs> where I was lucky enough to be there, stood at the side of the track, wondering why Jensen was getting out of the car two minutes before his allocated time with no idea what was going on. <laughs> so let's hope that it's not that bad. Yeah, well, let's wait and see, and um, I'm sure we'll have a chat about it after the Silverstone race on the podcast as well. Um, let's just switch our focus to IndyCar for a few minutes. Um, obviously, we've been trying to keep up with uh, sort of the IndyCar on this podcast um, over the last few races, and um, we're going to have a Indy 500 podcast special in a few weeks, obviously after the Indy 500, where we'll be joined by uh, Gino, who's been on talking about the Indy 500 before, and uh, and Kenny, who uh, are both big uh, McLaren Arrow fans, and we will be talking to them, hopefully, given that we've won this weekend on an oval, um, we might be talking about an Indy 500 win. Who knows? And also, um, you know, the return of um, one. Um, can't even remember what his name is. JPM. Call JPM. him JPM. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I nearly call him Fangio for some reason. There you go. Uh, which would have been an impressive return. Um, yes. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. Uh, IndyCar, we were uh, we got a, po- a first podium, which is the third place for Pato Award on the first race of the weekend. Um, and then, actually, in the race itself, he started fourth. There was a massive crash on the first lap that took out a lot of people. Uh, and Rosenquist was quite unlucky. Um, halfway through the race, he lost the wheel, which was bouncing around the track, which is never never great to see. Um, but yeah, with about a quarter of the sort of race to go, he um, he, he managed to take that lead and, and keep it and win his first race. And yeah, congratulations to uh, McLaren Arrow. Um, they've done really well to do that. Um, what do you guys follow? Uh, Al, are you following any of the IndyCar this year? I've, I've seen bits of it. I'll be honest with you, it was on late last night for me to, to watch it live. I was uh, in the land of Nod uh, when it was on. But um from what I've seen of Pato, I think he's very impressive. Uh, he's really impressed 
me since he's been driving for this team. And he is uh, uh, got a chance of the young driver's test, hasn't he, at the end of the year now, thanks to Zach's promise if he, if he was going to win a race. Zach said he'd get a, a drive in the young driver's test at Abu Dhabi at the end of the year. So that's exciting to see. So I think... I think Pato's an extremely big talent. He, he, I believe he used to be in the Red Bull um, Academy, but uh, he, he dropped out of that and McLaren picked him up. And I think it's a, it's a good thing we've got him, really. We, we've shown a good track record in uh, recent uh, times with Lando, with the young drivers out of to, to nurture through. Yes, you could argue about the Stoffel thing, but uh, in terms of Lando, I think we've we've done really well with young drivers. So someone like Pato coming through, he's got a chance to be a real star in IndyCar. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Did you see any of it, Sarah? Or have you been? I, I watched a few bits, but I didn't stay up to watch the race last night because after the line of duty finale, I was I was worn out. Um, but 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 as you know, I have alerts on Twitter for everything, so I could see it come up on my phone how we were doing. And uh, yeah, really brilliant to see see he's he's taken his first win. And I saw Uncle Zach's messages on Facebook and Twitter straight away, and I knew I knew that that was referring to his promise to him. Good to see him making these uh, incentives to the drivers. You know, some people might be uh, looking for win bonuses that are of a monetary form, but from what we can see with Zach's relationship with the drivers, offering them a test, the chance to drive an F1 car. And then what he said to Danny Rick, um, giving him the opportunity to drive one of his cars that he's got in his Zach garage. I think he knows what buttons to push to, to get these guys going for it, doesn't he? Yeah, certainly seems that way. Right, um, we, we're coming towards the end of the podcast. So uh, let's have a quick chat with Al. Um, most of you would probably know him on Twitter. Um, what's your Twitter handle, Al? It's just my name, basically, at Alan Sabatino. <laughs> give him a follow he pretty much tweets 24 7 mclaren stuff in fact i don't think i've ever seen you tweet about anything else but mclaren <laughs> uh, <laughs> um you've tweeted about your car a few times there you go there you go not all mclaren he's got a really nice car as well so um yeah so al yeah just tell us a little bit about how you got into sort of watching f1 and became a mclaren fan i will it was I, I, I kind of like latched on to McLaren with Mika Hakkinen and uh, Coulthard in in those days. But I, I'll be honest, I wasn't I wasn't like an avid fan like I am now, watching it every session, everything else. It was it was like a casual kind of watch. And then I was watching it when Kimi was driving for McLaren and Montoya, and it just they just caught my eyes. The the the, the silver, the the chrome paint, and it just caught my eyes, and and it just it kind of just grew from there, really. And and when I started to get some books about McLaren, learn about their history, I learned about Bruce McLaren and uh, some of the incredible um, drivers like James Hunt, Senna, and Prost, and everybody else. It's just it's a team that. I just I just was drawn to straight away and I just thought I've got to know more about him and it just kind of grown from there then when we had the Lewis and Fernando war if you want to call it that in 2007 that was uh, 
absolutely fascinating. And yeah, I, through that, it's it's also got me to meet incredible people like yourselves and and uh, other fellow McLaren fans. And and the way the team have treated me as well and interacted with me on, on social media and at trackside and everything else, it's something I've never experienced before with with uh, teams, not just in football, but in any sport. I follow football as well and I don't get any in sort of interactions with the team I support. So the fact that the team are recognising your support for them and they want you to get involved in everything else, really drew, drawn it in for me to, to support this team. And um, I don't think I've uh, picked a bad team to support, really. They've got such a great history. And and through you mentioned the Honda era earlier, and through there, it shows... You, you don't just support this team when they're winning. You have to get behind them when they're losing as well. And when Honda was really dragging, when it when the whole era was dragging us down, I won't say just Honda, but when the whole episode was dragging us down, it looked absolutely bleak at one point, didn't it? We hardly had any sponsors. We were probably getting lapped every race. It didn't look great, but I absolutely loved that. Me personally, I love that part of this, uh, the era because it's shown that that fight, that the team weren't willing to give up and they were still... Uh, really uh, thankful of the support from us fans because, like I say, if it weren't for fans like us and everybody else who supported them through then, then it would have been really hard to motivate yourself. So, yeah, I've I've absolutely loved this team. And now we're starting to see the light come now and we're starting to get results, starting to get podiums. Fingers crossed we can get that race victory. Um, yeah, it's it's looking great. And it's great to see that, like you, the, the crucial thing you said was the team is smiling again. And that's that's great to see. You see these guys who, who have had some real dark days within the team and it's great to see them smiling again. So for me, it's not just about the drivers. It's about everybody else behind the scenes, back at MTC and everybody else. It's great to interact with those sort of people. So for me, that's the reason why I, I love McLaren because not only is it just, about the two drivers on the track, everybody else behind the scenes, and they're all they're all loving our support, which is great. I think that's that's a really important point you make there. It's not just two drivers in the cars; um, it is a big number of people. And you're right, you know, the, the team have, have given so much back to us to thank us for our support. I feel like they've they've recognised, you know, guys like us and all the support we give. So I guess one of my questions for you would be. Has there been um, an opportunity or uh, an event that is a highlight to you, one of your biggest highlights, you know, someone that we've got to meet as part of the, the things that McLaren have organised for us that you'd like to share with the listeners? Um, I'd say that the very first Superfan Day I went to at the MTC when we got to meet Kevin Magnuson, that's probably yeah. one of my highlights. That was absolutely fun because I'd never, ever been invited to anything like that. You know, it was it. I, I was actually double reading the email. I didn't quite believe what they were inviting me to. And the fact that we got to go down there, have a tour around it. We got to meet uh, Matt Bishop, who is absolutely wonderful bloke I couldn't uh, recommend him highly and in fact that we were sat in that room and we we didn't at the time know Kevin Magnus were coming in and they came in had photos had chats with us and we got a little goodie bag after that really is still one of my very big highlights because it's really it really set the bar for what this team's like I absolutely love that day and and ever since like with the the uh, the papaya day when we got the papaya membership cards and we got to meet Stoffel and Lando as well that was Absolutely superb, but um, just just to um, basically anything like that when they get invited in, I think is absolutely superb from the team. Always a privilege, isn't it? Always a privilege. 
great stuff. Thank, thanks for that, Al. So yeah, we we we've got about a minute left here. Um, um, thanks very much, Al, for joining us. Um, uh, it's been brilliant, and um, I hope you've enjoyed it. I have very much. Thank you. Good, good, and uh, once again, Sarah, thanks for joining us again. And obviously, we'll... as always, yeah. Um, and last time, I forgot to mention what the next race was. So the next race, uh, we're at the Circuit de Catalunya in Barcelona. Barcelona for the Spanish race. Now, this is normally one that we would all go out to. So uh, we have to. Yeah. But um, it'll be good to watch on TV. I've heard today we're going to have about a thousand fa- uh, member fans in on race day, which would be good to see fans back in the grandstands again. Um, that's it for this week's podcast. We'll be back next Monday.